What better way to say goodbye to 2018 than goofy Nazis? We're talking the Blues Brothers on today's... We wish you a merry kid flicks. We wish you a merry kid flicks. We wish you a merry kid flicks. Did you hear the mayor on Spotify? Oh, and we're not affiliated with Netflix. What part of the song is this? Welcome to Kid Flicks, the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I'm your host, Ross Wiseman, and this show is not for kids, so turn this off and sit still for one second. God. Uh, my guest today, uh, he is uh, a member of the N Crowd in Philadelphia, if you're a fan of short-form improv, and he works at the First Person Arts. Uh, it's Neil Bardhen. How are you, Neil? I'm well. How are you? Good. I looked at you and I was like, am I about to mispronounce his name? And we talked about <laughs> it less than 30 seconds ago. <laughs> but uh, but we figured we, we got through it. Um, thank you for uh, coming up the 18 flights of stairs to my apartment. You're welcome. I wasn't sure if I was going to get to the gym today. And now I don't have to because I'm here. I, I won't say who, but there, there was a guest that I've had on that uh, had to take an inhaler break. And I, uh, I feel terrible now. Um, <laughs> But we get past it. Um, so uh, today is a very interesting uh, episode because uh, we're not really talking about a uh, traditional kids movie, but one that is very... But I, I gave an exception because it's very specifically tied to kind of your family and your childhood. So uh, tell us a little bit about um, your relationship with Blues Brothers. Yeah, uh, this is a movie that I associate with New Year's Eve. And I don't know how long ago this started but i have all these hazy memories of new year's eves as a kid in my family's tv room as we always called it and it's it's a a a mix of memories of my parents hosting people for new year's eve and i was you know just a kid so i was off in in the corner watching tv alone (laughs) or those times where my parents were out and so I'd have a, a neighborhood babysitter come over who I didn't necessarily want to socialize with or, or play with. You know, I was too old for that. No, you're too cool for school. <laughs> I was definitely too cool for school. <laughs> and the Blues Brothers was on one of the basic cable channels every New Year's. Oh, okay. And I can't remember for years watching it any other day <laughs> other than December 31st. And and mind you, this is not... Uh... For those of you who've seen the movie, this is not. This doesn't take place on New Year's or any specific holiday of any kind. Exactly, <laughs> it it doesn't ring uh, holidays in in any sense of the word, uh, and so I have no idea why why it was always on. Uh, the other one that I can put in to this category was Animal House. Uh, definitely not something your ten year old <laughs> should watch, uh, but it was basic cable, so things were bleeped out. Oh yeah, and you know I'm getting a, a censored version same with the blues brothers to Mm -hmm. be fair and um yeah so when when i think of new year's i think i watched the blues brothers for for years yeah i'm trying to think i don't think my family because you said it it kind of started to become like just kind of a family affair and a tradition in your house i can't think of anything to that extent i think the only example was um Apparently, when I was little, my family, they used to buy and make lobster every New Year's. Um, and then they apparently stopped because I was such a picky eater that I wouldn't <laughs> eat it. And then my family was like, you know what? What if we're kosher now? So I 
ruined my family's uh, New Year's plans. I did something similarly Ooh. with my family's New Year's Day food. And the tradition from uh, my dad's uh, heritage is fish on New Year's Day. Uh, so my mom would always make these fish turnovers. Uh, fish pot pie, basically. Fish, but like a hand fish, pie. Fish turnover or a fish pot pie. That sounds like the laziest thing in like a kid's show where it's just like, look, <laughs> what's something that a kid will just like get placed in front of them and it'll like wiggle and <laughs> wink at them? Uh, no, these were like painstakingly made. My mom's making the dough from scratch. Oh. She made them with such love. And I just wasn't into fish for a long time. Uh, the food. Uh, and I got, always into I, the band. I, I, I got into the band later. Uh, I traded off fish, the food for fish, the band, uh, in my teen years. Um, and, uh, I was just, yeah, so picky about fish turnovers that my mom gave up on it. Uh, and it was also part of like, you know, it's new year's day. Nobody wants to spend three hours in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hand pressing these things. So, uh, bless her. Uh, she, she did a lot of great things. And, uh, I think choosing, choosing to not make fish turnovers anymore, uh, was also a, a good call on her part for herself. So thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was such a I was such a picky eater for like a short period. Like, I mean, I think a, a lot of people were, but um, I remember one night my mom, because I was she made she was like making mac and cheese or something for me while she made like regular food for the rest of my family. <laughs> and I remember she got really angry because you know she was making extra food unnecessarily, and she came in to the kitchen where like the fam- we were like sitting and uh, hanging out, and she was like, "I'm not making like 800 different dinners." So that's become just a recurring joke in my house ever since because my mom can't count the number of dinners. Uh, <laughs> What's great is I've seen your mother recently, and so I can picture this super well. Wait, when did you see my mom? She was at a show. Oh, okay. A couple weeks ago, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I also don't know how much, because actually, no, I, knowing my mom, she's definitely one of the people that's like, oh, like that my son sometimes does stuff here. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's exactly what she did. Uh, no, she was in the back row and you indicated. Oh, okay, that presence. works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a good time. Um, <laughs> we, we can talk about weird kid food choices for hours, especially with me. Yeah. Um, I ate ketchup and crackers for fun, and my uh, family called me homeless. <laughs> I put soy sauce on everything for years. Ooh. Uh, honestly, I think that is kind of okay. But Is wait. it? Why? Wait, hold on. Why do you think that's okay? That's weird. It's... <laughs> It's weird. It's a weird flavor choice. But, I mean, in essence, you're just adding, like, salt and umami to food. So some could argue that you had a very delicate palate. Uh, it, it was probably wrapped up in a lot of things. But So, yeah. so what, were, what, what were some of the weird things you were putting it on? Because, like, I Mashed imagine... potatoes? Oh. It kind of works, but you can imagine doing, like... I think if you're making a batch of mashed potatoes, right, uh, a tablespoon of soy sauce yeah. for the whole batch. But you're like... But this was... Glugging it. We're yeah. both making weird motions. <laughs> uh, meatloaf was the other one. Pretty much anything savory. Uh, huh. Okay. Yeah. I, I redact my... That's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. Worcestershire sauce was the other one that I, I went through a phase of for a minute. Yeah, because I think... Uh, cause Same that's, deal. And it's also, when you're introduced to it as a kid, you think it's like a secret. You're like, what is this? Like, that's not at the cafeteria. I know adults who think it's a secret. Like, oh, yeah. that's, not, that's how you make a really good Bloody Mary. <laughs> and no, it's like, no, good, good Bloody Mary is just having any other drink. Uh, I'll say it. <laughs> I've, I've tried so many different times at every single brunch I've gone to to enjoy a Bloody Mary, and it's, it's garbage. I would just rather have tomato soup. With a glass of vodka on the side, right? Like, I don't need cold yeah. tomato soup. The cold tomato... Or just the, just the just the tomatoes 
is just such a strong thing to pair with like, oh, I'm having a chunky monkey French toast. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to discuss Blues Brothers because it's very much in my head. And as I was watching it, it kind of felt like a peewee movie to me. Just kind of like a bunch of stuff kind of happens that's semi-related to each other. Right. I, I wrote down several notes on this that I want to yes. remember to include because... Okay, so it's a jukebox musical meets a heist movie meets a road trip movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think That's so. It. It's, a, it's a thin plot. Yeah, it's just that it's, they have to make $5,000 in... Uh, on 11 days. 11 days. It's 11 days. It's 11 days. Yeah, and so they just cause a bunch of mayhem. I'm trying to think they... Well, it's just they try to they get the band back together and they just try to find any venues that will take them. And so you kind of uh, were you one of those people that like you have like the Blues Brothers records or like you were you kind of were a big fan of them or I guess they were a little bit past your time for SNL. They were before my time for SNL. Okay. Yeah. And um, I don't know of I can't imagine that I interacted with them really outside of the movie mm-hmm. for a, a, a long time. And, um, I mean, I feel part of that is generational. It was before, like, I could go on eBay or something. Um, but it was one of those pieces of, uh, dare I say, art Ooh. that I was happy to have live on its own for a long time. It was just this standalone okay. thing. And I think I, I didn't know about the SNL connection for years. And thought, what a fun movie. That's it. And for, you know, a 10, 11-year-old, sure, why not? Uh, and so later, so I was in high school when Blues Brothers 2000 came out. I remember actively deciding not to see it because, like, why ruin that piece of art from my childhood? That's good. I was about to ask, like, if, because, I mean, I, I scrolled through the Wikipedia and unsurprisingly it like doesn't live up and i mean you could easily attribute that to like no john candy no uh um john belushi no um what's the other guy um the janitor curtis curtis but who plays him uh cab calloway he is cab calloway okay that was was what i was trying to (laughs) yeah i could have remembered the actual famous person that was in it um uh yeah and i uh it's also an interesting movie because it's like it's always interesting to see how different decades deal with, like, Nazis and the Holocaust. Yeah, so we were watching it last night at my house, and uh, my girlfriend was there, and another friend of ours was there. And the Nazis pop up, and you just feel the room kind of tense up, and just think, what is happening in this movie? Oh, right, this is happening today, too. Oh, God, it never ends, does it? Yeah. Well, because it was, um, I, I did a little research and like that whole part of the movie was based on in 1977, there was like a Supreme Court case between um, Nazis and Jews. Uh, everyone, everyone's favorite. Uh, everyone's favorite Supreme, Supreme Court Montagues and Capulets uh, of the modern world. Um, but yeah, well, because I always, it, it's so different in its portrayal to like the Nazis and Sound of Music because that musical was made like barely 10 years after world war Two, right yeah it's, it's mid 50s yeah and how it's just like a little cute cutesy little secret thing it's, it's almost there. glib about the fact that they're genocidal yeah, maniacs. look like ralph is just excited to do something after school 
and you got <laughs> yeah i was about to defend nazis um that's fun when you get when you when get you, when, when you, you go down that hole when you host a podcast for long enough you accidentally start defending nazis um <laughs> watch out ira glass <laughs> we have the same birthday Get out of here. It's Same true. year and everything? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're both 57. Um, uh, yeah, and also I, I realized that... So they called the Nazis the American Socialist White People Party. Right. Uh, which uh, sub- subliminally anagrams or shortens to asswipe. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I a- hadn't caught A-S-W-P-P. that. A-S-W-P-P. Yep. Uh, interesting thing about... Uh, the portrayal of Nazis there uh, that I made a connection with was how similar the several parts, how similar a, the office of uh, their party is to the, the clan headquarters office as depicted in black Klansmen of 2018. Um, I didn't see black Klansmen. Oh, you should have. I know. There's still time. Yeah. (laughs) You're still young, Ross. Um, some of it, I think, is about era that they're depicting, but there's something as well about like the chintzy feel that is given to these these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's like, well, it's an office, but it's it's almost like a basement scrub office. It's not classy or anything. Yeah, because well, because it's always a hard way to depict Nazis, whether whether they're you want to kind of like show like, oh, it's hilarious how like mundane their day to day life is but it's just we like it's jarring how it's just then uh, injected with racism and shit right versus like oh they should just be seen as scum all the time right these are people who are filled with hatred and also have offices it's a weird mm-hmm. not dichotomy but blurring there. yeah like yeah. they just drive cars uh, straight into the air like the rest right. of us yeah <laughs> um yeah that, that's, that's also one of the only notes i wrote i just wrote amazing flying nazi car um uh yes which is uh, Gets to one of the overarching themes um, that I picked up on when I watched it recently, which is how over the top so much of the effects and stunts are in mm-hmm. this movie. I don't think as a kid I got that, but I think now, years later, also now that we're all kind of post Michael Bay, if I can call us that <laughs> as a society, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, how wild these effects are, right? The, that car falling through the air. That lasts like a minute of screen time. Yeah, it's and crazy. Also, and also, like cars are piling up all over the place. That whole long sequence where they're driving through the mall, like all of this stuff is so is all practical. They uh, reading up on it. They blew through their budget so quickly. So yeah. Um, but it also, I mean, I guess you could classify this as an like the first or one of the first SNL movies. I think it was, yeah, basically. Yeah, I don't know when probably the first one that really came out. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, because it's and I think what makes this successful, unlike a lot of the SNL movies, is that um, they're they're not really trying to make it like a story or like this huge overarching thing. It's just kind of like, okay, let's just see these people just just go on a bunch of different sketches and stuff. Right. There's there's no deep message. You have kind of a vehicle for a bunch of. Uh, Two-line jokes, gags, some songs. Lots of songs. (laughs) Lots of songs. um, Lots of amazing celebrities Mm -hmm. appearing, uh, some as themselves and some just as, you know, characters. Because why not have Aretha Franklin just sing a little ditty in her diner? Yeah. Why why not? not? And why not have uh, Ray Charles (laughs) 
uh, light up the entire neighborhood. Yeah. Like one of my favorites, um, uh, a YouTube commenter uh, on one of the, when I was rewatching some <laughs> clips, he said, between this film and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I've come to the conclusion that the city of Chicago will break out into random song and dance at the drop of a hat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I had a similar thought um, in the church scene, like very early on. Mm-hmm. And the choreography required for just that, that, like, that barely even does anything for the plot. No, it's... <laughs> right? It's just a quick little showcase of James Brown. But then you have hundreds of people doing acrobatics and amazing dance moves just to fill a couple minutes of screen time of a very long movie. We yeah. might also want to discuss the length of this. Yeah, it is um, uh, two and a half hours long. And obviously, so much of that is attributed to their very long dance uh, and music numbers scattered throughout. Like, one scene could have two songs in it. Right, why not? But uh, when I was preparing, I was like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that I had to set this much time aside for it. (laughs) And I guess that's why they were playing it on New Year's all the time, because there were, like, nothing. They just needed to fill time. You might as well fill time. Yeah. Yeah, You throw in some commercial breaks, and all of a sudden, you have a three-hour block. That's the thing. Because it's so long, there's so much in it. Like, we could talk about... Um, the mystery woman throughout the entire movie that oh, uh, space mom yeah that just yeah our homegirl uh, Carrie Fisher what what kind of other parts of this movie kind of stuck with you like year after year what are kind of the things you keep uh, coming back to a couple things that certainly I I realize now in the um, privilege of being on a podcast about it <laughs> is understanding that it was my first first kind of concentrated exposure to music kind of like that, like that, that R&B that sold mm-hmm. that gospel. Um, my parents listened to like a little Otis Redding, but like not Aretha, for instance, right? Um, Sam and Dave show up a bunch in the movie. In, in the movie. Uh, maybe would have come up in the radio when I was a kid, but it wasn't like a thing culturally. Sure. And so as a kid, I was trying to develop my own musical tastes, like kind of in fits and starts. Um, in various ways and I think this was one of the first times that I thought like oh this is cool music that like resonates with me somehow uh, and I just I find it interesting that this, there's this music that I like I don't know anything about it um, and and that's that's fun right it was it was a little act of discovery and it felt like vaguely subversive yeah and almost I, I also give the movie credit because um Unlike how Back to the Future kind of made it so that a white person invented Ugh, rock and roll right. and this type of music, um, it's it's very clear that they reached out to all of these people that they idolized and based their act off of, and they were like, "We want like we want you to come perform in addition and instead of us." At a lot of points, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake and Elwood perform fairly little mm-hmm. uh, in, in a way. Yeah, it's like they because they do um, the song at the uh, uh, rodeo place and... Uh, Bob's the... Country. Yes. Uh, country Ballroom? Um, uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Bob's Country Parlor is what came to mind. That, that doesn't seem like it makes sense. Um, and then, they, obviously, they um, they do the, the uh, hotel ballroom right. near the end. But, yeah, I... And that kind of makes it... It feels like this... Also an homage to, like, those old Hollywood movies uh musical movies in the 50s where it was just like we're just filling time and we're just gonna take good call as long as we want yeah uh well i mean also uh uh dan Aykroyd, he wrote a 300 page like treatment almost and uh 
it was up to uh, John Landis to make it into a usable existent script. Um, something that's uh, interesting uh, that's related to this length is the different versions that exist of this movie. So I realized that I have kind of no idea what what cut I was seeing as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had, at some point, this is, again, out of, like hazy memories on top of hazy memories. I like knew in my head that at some point the Blues Brothers sing Stand By Your Man. And I also know... That about 10 years ago, I went to see a screening of the movie at the George Eastman House in Rochester, New York. Okay. Uh, beautiful screen, beautiful projection, like just top to bottom, done well. And I remember walking out of there and thinking, wait, what about <laughs> Stand By Your Man? And then I've, over the years, been trying to figure out like which was actually screened then versus what was on TV. Um I think a lot of movies have this quote unquote problem, um, but I, I somehow have this like personal deep confusion over what versions of this movie have I seen? What have I been missing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are the things that actually make sense to me to be in there? Yeah, well, on a complete flip side, I, I think I've seen at least three different cuts of The Room, oh, yeah. the Tommy Wiseau movie, because it's I've seen it like those midnight screenings, I've seen it at home, and yeah, I, I, I've never really been sure why that's really a, a thing. Like, unless yeah. it's a TV edit or something, but that's really weird that going to see it in public and they would yeah. cut out pieces and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, I bet what I saw then was, uh, like, screened was, you know, the what was released in theaters, whereas, you know, there's parts, like, slotted in to fill other time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it's one of those things that's taken up several hours of my life and probably didn't need to spend <laughs> more than five minutes on. Uh, and now, dear listeners, I've brought you into it. Yeah, in, in Neil's bedroom, it's just like a bunch of red string and cork cord. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I also... This this is uh, just a dumb thing that I realized from this movie, but uh, Dan Aykroyd founded the House of Blues, and this oh, right. that was inspired. Right. Like, and uh, I feel very silly that I did not think of that. Yeah. An interesting little New Year's Eve tie-in. Yeah, so we this. this is being released on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, so chronologically for myself, right? I'm watching this movie for the first time when I'm 10, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was 14 when I started listening to The Grateful Dead and Fish soon after, for those of you who were paying attention earlier. <laughs> and uh, I got into collecting concert recordings of The Dead, uh, which is a whole great subculture uh and again it was i was like not something my parents were into but i was exploring it and it was also as the internet was growing in new and cool ways um and one of the first tapes that i remember um getting was the grateful dead playing new year's eve 1978 uh oof, i should have looked this up i want to say winterland ballroom definitely in san francisco uh and then years later i found out that the Blues Brothers opened for the Grateful Dead that night. Wow. And I think that was the first time that I thought, oh, the Blues Brothers, not just a movie, but legitimate musical act as well, that they're going to play this, I don't know, 15, 20,000 person concert. Yeah, And like out of every single act that the Dead could have chosen, they went right. with like uh, the two guys from SNL that were just like, we want to start a band because right. that's cool. Yeah, but... 
but it was a pretty good band, you know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you totally. know, so um, there there was something to that. That's the thing. I my house growing up was very much like uh, '60s and '70s rock. So like the music on in my house all the time was like the two biggies. I guess were Beatles and Fleetwood Mac. Oh yeah. And so it's like I we listened to like uh, um, Sam Cooke and uh, a lot of these old people uh, that are in the movie, but we never quite got up to uh, I guess '80s funk and yeah. uh, the Blues Brothers. Actually. Come to think of it, my first experience with the Blues Brothers was not like from a best of SNL thing. Mm-hmm. It was, um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, did you, did you ever watch Drake and Josh, the Nickelodeon show? Almost certainly, I've seen episodes. So yeah. there's an episode where they, Drake and Josh, for the talent show, they produce, they perform Soul Man. Oh wow! And it's like they do. It's like a three and a half minute song, and. It's it's like the song, the show is clearly being like get it it's a reference and right, I'm a child right. and I don't yeah. get it but also insane that like this high school is going crazy for the Blues Brothers the Blues Brothers <laughs> and like something I wouldn't really f- understand or click into until like seven or eight years later <laughs> when I finally saw something with them like this movie is uh, like beautiful madness almost like again like I said. It felt so much just like a collection of scenes just kind of stitched together. Just basically Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi getting paid to just do bits together. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a loosely connected set of sketches. um, And even calling them sketches goes goes a little too (laughs) far. Um, Yeah. It's it's gag after gag. Um, And oh, there's this this moment when we were watching and... um, I prefaced, so uh, it's when Dan Aykroyd has the epoxy, and he's about to he's applying it to the uh, the good old boys um, accelerator. Yes, pedal, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I turned to Kelsey, my girlfriend, and I said, "Oh, this is one of my favorite lines coming up." And then I backtracked it, and I said, "It's just something I say a lot." <laughs> and then I backtracked, and I was like, "I'm not sure it's actually a good line." <laughs> uh. And then he holds up the can and he says, this is glue. Strong stuff. That's it. And I was like, honestly, it seems like kind of weak writing. Yeah. Because he's like, no, I think it's brilliant. Because, like, it got a laugh out of us. It's so simple. Uh, it almost shows, like, how simple-minded these characters are and yet how complicated they can still kind of pull off. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a related thought when they're um, in... Uh, in the office building at the end, and they blowtorch like the elevator. Uh, yeah, so they're, it's they're... so unnecessary how destructive <laughs> they are. They spend so much time like an already broken elevator, and they're just like, we got, <laughs> we got to completely destroy it. And and then it goes right into just like the monotony of just talking to uh, like a civic servant and just kind of right. getting paperwork done. Yeah, uh, who's played by Steven Spielberg? By the way. Is that who that guy was? Yes. Again, th- amazing cameos throughout this movie. Well, Frank Oz. Frank is, Oz. And he makes a Miss Piggy joke, which oh, I yeah. loved it. Right. Um, who else is in there? Oh, the uh, the waiter at the restaurant that they go to at Shea Paul. Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. Yeah. Joe Walsh is in it. and Oh, yeah. John Candy is on my, my list of celebrities where I genuinely feel like gone way too soon. Mm-hmm. And I could have seen 300 more years of art. 
from him. Yeah, I would. I would have very happy. <laughs> I would have loved to like see him get older and do like weird projects where I'm like, oh, this isn't like it used to be. Right. Well, it was. Um, I was watching. Uh, last night. I don't know if you've heard of it. Of uh, it's called Shrek Redone or Shrek. I have not like heard that. of it, and it's basically uh like 200 artists, animators, directors, and stuff. They um all took turns recreating little bits from Shrek and it got stitched together. I love that. It's it's wild. Uh, I, I'll send you the link when we're done. Uh, and to you, listener. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I was watching it and it, it made me think about how uh, Chris Farley was the original voice of Shrek. Oh, I didn't and know that. You, you also need to look up that because there's a couple animatics with uh, Chris Farley as Shrek and it's a very like human and muted performance because there is the rumor that Mike Myers recorded all of his lines for Shrek and then decided he wanted to do a Scottish accent. And so he re-recorded all of his lines. I don't know if that's true, but it makes me think because Shrek is a relatively decent movie with actually a good message to it. And then Mm -hmm. all the subsequent ones are Are ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, oh, what if Snow White farted on a chimney or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a mo- movie plot by Mad Lib, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but but going back uh, to Blues Brothers, um, again, this whole uh, adventure is because they need to make $5,000. Right. Which, taking out a loan, just like any sort of means that they could do. Any, any number of possibilities other than getting the band back together. Yeah. <laughs> a thing that uh, famously does not work for most people. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just, uh, it's just very fun how all these things come into play and just kind of happen. And it's, and it's not even like telegraphed early in the movie. Like all this stuff about the record deal. It's just very much... It's like a it's like a day in the life, but their obviously their life is uh, just insanity. Yeah. Um, yeah, with with very little extra backstory or character explanation. Yeah, I no feel, one no one would need. You know, at some that. point you understand uh, why Elwood was in prison, um, but like, what's Jake been doing all this time? <laughs> Probably just like double parked outside waiting. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's kind of being like, yeah, this is a cool yeah. parking lot. I Sorry, like I had that backwards. But you know what? It's it's New Year's Eve, and uh, considering that you watch this on uh, New Year's, and uh, we got to make ourselves better for the New Year, so I thought it'd be fun if we talked about <laughs> uh, our resolutions in a segment called Blue Year's Resolution. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that gives me such joy. Yeah, so I mean, obviously a regular New Year's resolution is something along the lines of, you know, I want to get in uh, to better shape or I want to uh, work on my resume or something. But I think a Blue Year's resolution is just the most confident version of yourself Oh, giving, getting the most impractical, unreasonable New Year's resolution. So is there is there any oh, amazing. wild fantasy oh, gosh. that only by employing... Uh, the soul and heart right. uh, of Jake and Elwood. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, I think I'd like to um, not just buy a house, but build one uh, with my bare hands for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, an Ikea house. <laughs> uh, you know, I, like an Ikea house, but more like a crate and barrel. 
house. I like okay. to think of it as. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit classier. A little bit classier, less MDF. You know, that's actually legit one of my dreams. I had this idea for my freshman year of college, and I haven't let let go of it. That my ultimate fantasy is to build a log cabin in the middle of the city, and oh. that's my home. Oh man. Like, Good luck to you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, there's so many like random abandoned lots oh, yeah. in the city. I'm sure that I could find one. And there's a way to do it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, hopefully make it uh, safe because I can't imagine uh, a lot of locks fitting on a log cabin. I feel like there's some interesting like code uh, workarounds that you're gonna have to do too. <laughs> yeah, like, sir, <laughs> do you have fire suppression systems? Uh, no, no, <laughs> but we have one floor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think what, like, my Blue Year's resolution, because I, yeah, like, I, I, obviously my more reasonable one is something along the lines of, oh, I'd love to, like, I, I need to eat better, because I, I, I need to get more good and consistent with cooking. Yeah. But, I mean, if I, if I were, like, a blues brother, I think my goal would be, like, I, like, learn, learn, master, and record a best-selling uh, piano album oh that's good yeah like yeah. So i've ch- i took a piano class once and uh no one tells you how hard piano is no no it's, it's just like guitar you think people, when you see it you're like that's dumb and easy and then you're like oh i feel like an asshole oh yeah yeah but uh that's yeah so i, I think we're <laughs> we'll check yeah. in in right. 2019 oh i'm also gonna uh, 2019 is also the year um that my cookbook will come out Speaking oh of, congratulations uh, yeah right that's uh, uh just came up with that one now. Uh, is it, uh, can can you can it be about uh, like recreating delivery food and you can call it Meals on Wheels? <laughs> uh, funny you should mention that. Uh, in grad school, my uh, system of providing food to people was referred to as Meals on Neils. Whoa, slightly slightly better. Yeah, oh, definitely better. So, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, wait, wait, hold on, wait. What did you do? You. You do, you like made and delivered food to people, right? So this and but this was like my friends. Oh, you know? okay, right. So you know, it uh, somebody like... just had a baby or somebody's sick, sick, right? And oh, okay. I, I, would, I would text them and say like, "Do you want some meals on meals?" And I would <laughs> deliver like leftovers. Gotcha. Know? It wasn't like you know, has a lot of freshmen have really cool independent weed businesses. <laughs> yeah, no, no. This was uh, pulled pork lasagna. You know, this, this the good stuff. Yeah, but just like the weed salesman, you were like, "Come into the stairwell. <laughs> there are no uh, uh, cameras or anything." <sighs> Um, <laughs> um, actually, you know what? This is, this is, uh, an important thing to mention. What, what is your favorite song in the movie? Oh gosh. Great and, question. And I'll pull up the, um, soundtrack just so, uh, just in case you need. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I'm going to name something and then five minutes later say, no, no, no. Um, so first of all, there, there is that memory of stand by your man. Mm-hmm. Um, just being in some ways like a really crazy choice. Uh, for this movie in terms of tone. Yeah. Um, and it's just... Like, what fun to film all that. Uh, while I'm thinking of it, the other thing uh, my friend who was watching it with us said was, look at all these beer bottles flying. Because they've got all that chicken wire up sometimes in some shots. Mm-hmm. And it's ten minutes or so of people just throwing beer bottles <laughs> at the band. And it's just like the messiest... One of the messiest scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, I I think my favorite, and I mean, like I, it's it's easy to just say, because I mean Aretha right. kills it to just uh, go with think, but right. 
I don't know. I think, and from somebody, I I also have had not seen this movie until uh, I watched it for this. But everybody needs somebody to love. Just feels like a song that's like you know it takes ten minutes to write, but it just like has this uh, oldness and timelessness to it. Yeah, the, honestly, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the one that like almost choked me up a little bit mm-hmm. when I watched it, and. Um, it's such a heartfelt message uh, that Elwood delivers. And there was this brief moment where I was like, is this a monologue? If I ever had to act or audition for something and deliver a monologue, is this a monologue? No, it's, <laughs> it's not that. Um, well, you can do what I do in auditions when I forget to prepare a monologue because monologues are hard to prepare. I'll just um, dramatically recite a song. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, and then I don't get callbacks. Uh, but <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> or let's take like an hour and learn a monologue. <laughs> uh, um, Sweet Home Chicago, I think also top okay. top two are everybody needs somebody to love and uh, Sweet Home Chicago. Yeah. Um, uh, a thing that I, I wrote down for this um, that Sweet Home Chicago reminds me of is so I was. Uh, coming of age, I guess, on the internet, right? Uh, at the end of the world of dial-up and before the world of, like, MP3s. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time downloading wave files that were, like, <laughs> sound clips from movies. I still have all of them. Um, but I distinctly remember going to, like, Blues Brothers wave file pages and downloading various, like, Blues Brothers script clips just in case I wanted to have... Uh, my email alert be it's 106 miles to Chicago. We've got a full tank of gas, half bag of cigarette. It's, it's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Oh, that's Hit great. It. Terrible idea for an email <laughs> alert. But going again, that like I love it. Though. That it, it was a standalone piece of art to me, and that I could interact with just this little clip of it, um, kind of on demand. Yeah, uh, and, gave me great joy. And also with like that early internet stuff, because I I was kind of at the very talent like i i do remember having dial up but it it was very much going into dsr d or dl wait dsl dsl thank you uh direct subscriber line yeah i remember when my dad said that we were getting that i was like isn't that for like businesses though like we're not a company we're a house (laughs) but yeah there was like this weird period of like the internet there weren't as many kind of like meeting places like they were you know like um uh, chat rooms and blogs if you'd like sought them out but the default was still very much at least i thought uh kind of like a personal experience so it's like your pop culture and your kind of um touchstones and stuff were still very much just yours which yeah. i love reddit and being able to uh just do inside jokes with people about like scrubs but mm-hmm. at the same time it's it feels weird that it's like oh it's it's kind of hard to describe this thing as just myself and like you don't get that satisfaction of like telling all your friends about it yeah uh, to no end right i don't think uh actually i can't even the (laughs) i remember uh like early internet i like before like song lyric websites were Mm -hmm. really a thing Mm -hmm. so i remember i had the eight crazy nights soundtrack (laughs) 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 i spent a bunch of time uh, like starting and stopping the CD so oh, I yeah. could write down all the lyrics. Um, it was that song where Adam Sandler's character goes to the mall and all of the logos are singing to him about how he was mean to Whitey. Oh my god. 
God, what a weird movie. <laughs> what a weird choice to spend your time with. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look, it was it was like the one Jewish thing that yeah. wasn't like Peanuts or Rugrats. Right. So it was right. exciting. Actually, no, Peanuts didn't have a single Jewish thing. I don't know why no. I said that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I do miss those old days of internet. But then yeah. I got to nearly crash my parents' computer with LimeWire. <laughs> Uh, LimeWire, uh, a word you don't hear much anymore for some no. reason. No, <laughs> people like perk up their ears like they're a dog. Yeah. Like, what? Ooh, what ooh, did you ooh, say? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, now I just want to talk about the old internet. Um, uh, I can do that for for some time yeah. too. Well, I can't imagine because I remember how hard it was to get even the slightly obscure music off of like LimeWire and stuff. So, what did you? Uh, and uh, the statute of limitations is done. So, if you admit. To using LimeWire to download Blues Brothers, it'll be okay. I almost certainly did that. Yeah. Yeah. And you always got those fake MP3s that was like... I always got the one where it was like a weird Bill Clinton impression. Oh, I never got that one. Oh, I oh, got... It was great. like It was like... Uh, he was like, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, but I did go to like IPFunny.com or oh something like that. Yeah. No, I feel ups. like there were a lot of um, fake ones that were like intentionally glitchy. You know that they were almost like, um, almost like honeypots by the like the record label, where you'd get like six seconds of the real song, mm-hmm. and then it would just be like, and just like bust out your terrible yeah, speakers. Yeah. And and they knew they knew what they were doing. Maybe that was a, just a, a short lived mm-hmm. um, time. Uh, yeah, luckily I didn't get that. But yeah, I had a lot of fake outs, and um, so there are so many fake Weird Al songs on. LimeWire. Oh yeah. That Weird Al on his website, he has like a full statement talking about the different songs that often get attributed to him that aren't right. And poor guy, are you are you going to the Weird Al concert? Uh, I'm not. You know, I've never been to a Weird Al concert. Uh, I've also surprising. Um, I'll, I'll surprise twelve year old Neil with this. <laughs> I've I've still never owned a Weird Al album. Wow. Yeah. Surprising, right? He was my my first CD that I ever bought with my own money. Yeah. Um, I have very fond memories of Summer Camp 1996, of listening to Weird Al with a bunch of like guys from my hall, mm-hmm. um, and just thinking, like, this this is doing a lot for me. <laughs> uh, and then, I'm sorry, uh, Al, but I've never uh, paid money uh, to see or hear you. Well, that's like I paid money to go to one of his concerts a couple years ago, and yeah. I had a panic attack and had to leave. No, it was oh, oh it was God. such a sad. It, that was a sad hour drive home. Yeah. Um, but he's coming to Philadelphia and the tour that he's currently doing, and I've told everybody about this. And yeah. I'm not getting paid by Weird Al. I swear, I would love to, but he's being backed by a string orchestra. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So somehow this is incredibly exciting to me. And now it's a now it's a crossover genre. Yeah. Thing. And yeah. my my friends are like, "Oh, who are you going with?" And I was like, "Nobody. Nobody. How? Who? I'm unless I'm married. And that uh, and he, he is very polite. I, <laughs> polite. I, I like not, that. Yeah. I cannot polite, go with patient somebody. and kind. That's yeah. like a yeah. thing where it's I'm just gonna meet up with a bunch of people that have like tucked in graphic tees and mustaches, and yeah. we're just gonna have a great old time. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I think going back to Blues Brothers, I think uh, when you assu- when you heard that like oh these two SNL alums are doing music, you assume it's going to be like comedy, funny. But, but yeah, right. and yeah. it's it's funny for a second, 
in the sense that it's like, oh my god, can you believe they're doing this? But then right. you just forget about it and it melts away. Yeah. Yeah, and this movie, like, I, I guess it's a comedy, but, like, it's not written like a comedy mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It's it's a musical um, adventure that you're yeah. on. Um, and I, I think, I mean, like, I've loved comedy movies for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was also something interesting about this, that this didn't feel like slap your knee funny. It was just fun. Yeah, well, like, the um, the Blues Brothers themselves, they both are very serious, and they, like, they don't really smile or anything. In They're the not movie. hamming at all. Yeah, yeah. And, and even, like, <clears throat> you know, like, the wacky cops and Nazis and stuff, they aren't doing, like, a weird over-the-top thing. Like, it's not, this isn't, like, a Mel Brooks movie or something. It's No. They're all playing it straight, which just makes it a much more satisfying yeah. uh, experience. Yeah. But, uh, uh, first of all, before we uh, finish up, do you have any uh, final itching uh, things about Blues Brothers? Oh, let me check my notebook. What a great question. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> you can tell I'm prepared. Uh, <laughs> two things, uh, three things that I've written down that I'll just, I'll just throw out there. One is that this is, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a movie that is kind of like comfort food. Like, it's not, it's not complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not deeply nuanced uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but I'll, I can happily go back to it. And I think, um, not all movies that I remember loving as a kid kind of have that. Uh, mm-hmm. so I was grateful to discover that recently. Um, another thing I wrote down at, at the very end was, do they ever wear seatbelts? Seems like a very unsafe movie because certainly in the, in the chase at the end, they're not wearing seatbelts and they're oh, like, they're right. kind of like leaning around a little bit. Uh, All the other characters do, but... Almost certainly. Oh, I bet Ralph Nader hated this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Excuse me. And then, certainly for the the part at the end, but maybe the through line all the way through, is that there's this... The actions that the law enforcement officers in various agencies are taking, it just feels so over the top for what these two guys are, which is... You know, basically two bit criminals with mm-hmm. some and like little rebel rousers. Yeah, right. and the end with, is... with an older cop car yeah. that they happen to have from a smaller police department. Uh, and so Kelsey described it as you know, it's like a commentary on the ineptitude of the cops <laughs> because they've got dozens of cars and all this all this uh, literal firepower, and they can't catch these guys. Uh, and I think I think there's a lot to that, uh, certainly in modern America, uh, to discuss, but also. Uh, showing you know the the heart and soul of these guys uh outwins kind of the man um because they they're on a mission from god they care so much about getting getting the music out there and getting this task done um that they're going to beat the odds for 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 a long time so that's great yeah and uh I yeah I agree they're they're like they're I forgot yeah we did not mention that they were on a mission from god yeah you know yeah. that's the whole uh, point and yeah. also sidebar I love that scene where they keep uh, like cursing and saying Jesus, and they just keep getting hit by the nun. <clears throat> and that's one of those things that I definitely didn't catch on to the the depth of when I was watching it, you know, mm-hmm. on on TNT uh, as a ten year old. Uh, and so watching it this week and saying, "Oh, they really, they really let it fly early on." Yeah, uh, that that caught my ear. Oh. Uh, so, uh, and I forgot to mention at the top of the episode, but you can see 
in uh, the title, but uh, this is the last episode of Merry Kid Flicks, which is kind of our month of uh, holiday-themed movies, or in Neil's case, uh, movies that uh, were just very prevalent during the holidays. So uh, we have a very special uh, uh, Merry Kid Flicks rating system, so I'll go from uh, best to worst. So the best is Ho Ho Ho, followed by Ho Ho No, followed by Ho No No, followed by No No No, followed by a pile of Rudolph shit. So uh, where, where would you say this uh, movie falls for you, Neil? Uh, honestly, still, uh, it's a ho, ho, ho for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, honestly, it, I think I'm right with you. Great. Maybe, yeah. maybe ho, ho, no, because it was long as hell. But it's, it's, it's one of those movies where, like, I don't know how many times I would rewatch it, but it's, it's so drastically different than a lot of stuff that I watch, and it's just a very pleasant and warm experience exactly exactly and that that time for me it it flies like that it's such a fun movie that it doesn't feel like it's dragging at all totally and um i was i was a little concerned because i started it later in the evening than i thought gosh (laughs) i'm old how am i gonna watch a two and a half hour movie and then all of a sudden it was over and i thought that was great that was time well spent (laughs) uh i'm not gonna do it again next week but certainly for an annual watching or a periodic uh if it's on tv you'll you'll leave it on Mm -hmm. Uh, absolutely yeah, so Pure uh, fun. so I, I I mentioned at the top of the show, Neil, uh, you work with first person arts. Uh, you do uh, the end crowd. Do you have any upcoming shows or or things that you would like people to be directed towards? Uh, a couple things. So the end crowd performs every Friday night uh, in Philly, and then we also have some other regular shows that are popping up around the region. So look for us there. Uh, I am performing later this month in a show called Next Slide, Please, at Philly Improv Theater, which blends my love of PowerPoint presentations and comedy. And then at the end of the month, I will tell a story in Jeff Jackson's Schooled. Oh, fantastic show if you're in the area. Really, really wonderful host, fun curation. Yeah, Always a good time there. And uh, I guess, like, the way to describe first-person arts, it's kind of like um, a more uh, Philadelphia-area version of The Moth. We're, we're Philadelphia's only nonprofit dedicated to the art of true personal storytelling. That's great. I love it. And I promise I'm going to come out soon because now I live in the city and can get there easily. Um, <laughs> and uh, as for me, I uh, you can see me do improv with the indie team Xylobone I- here in Philadelphia. And as always, you can follow us uh, at Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps us a lot. Uh, but yeah, Neil, thanks so much uh, for coming up my staircase and sitting in my bedroom. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me, and thanks for giving me a chance to to rewatch uh, this part of my childhood and uh, give it another look uh, from a, a modern lens. And really enjoyed uh, the opportunity. Oh, it was my pleasure. Uh, well, we will hear you all next week. And go, go, gadget, and show. <laughs>